Welcome to the Freedom Nation podcast with Jeff Kickle. On this show, Jeff shares his expertise in financial and retirement planning from a different perspective. Planning for your Freedom Day, which is the first day that you wake up and have enough income or assets and do not have to go to work that day. Learn how to calculate what you need, how to generate income sources, and listen to interviews from others who've done it themselves. Get ready to experience your own Freedom Day. Hey everybody, it's Jeff here with the Freedom Nation podcast, and I want to welcome you to season three of the podcast. Um, Season three, we're going to be making a few little adjustments to the show. For the last year, uh, starting in January of 2022, we began to interview people who had gotten their freedom, and it's been a wonderful year. Uh, I had one of the most amazing years of my life. I met some incredible people who were committed to the lifestyle of getting their freedom, committed to uh, freedom, whatever that was, not necessarily financial freedom. Uh, For some people, it was the freedom to not have to get up and go to a job every day. Uh, For others, it was freedom in business that, you know, they, they did things within their business to where they weren't tied to it anymore, or they were giving themselves some, you know, giving themselves some approval to uh, take a paycheck and to actually earn a a reasonable living doing it. So that's uh, where we've been. You know, we started the show uh, season one, which was just really me talking and discussing what at the time I thought the whole concepts of Freedom Day were. And things have changed Uh, over this last year in 2022, uh, having tons of interviews with people who had achieved their freedom. I um, achieved my own and it was a very interesting year and I'll be sharing more of that story with you. But, you know, what happened was my ability to sell one of my businesses or sell my interest in one of my businesses, which basically gave us complete freedom. Um, you know, it didn't completely eliminate the need to work, but it allowed me the ability to choose what I wanted to do, uh, be much more selective when it came to doing things. And quite honestly, I looked at all the things that I was doing. And I said, all right, these are the things I want to continue to do. And these are things that I want to eliminate from my life. I want to simplify my life. I want to be able to share more with my audience. Um, I wanted to commit to the podcast and to our YouTube channel. Um, I wanted to focus more of my time on writing uh, very soon, the Freedom Day book that I've been talking about for you know almost six months now is uh, is fast approaching its its uh, finishing point, and that's really telling the story. It's telling my story, and and it's interesting. You know, I, I look back and I say, well, why why hasn't the book been written before now? And, and the reason is the story wasn't quite finished being told. Um, I really had a few more things that I needed to learn and experience in my life before it was ready. And now it's finally ready. Uh, the story is kind of telling itself and I'm, I'm sharing all the, the good and the bad and the ugly, uh, that was, you know, 
going on this journey seven years ago in my life. So what I wanted to talk about today is to just share with you a little bit about what I've learned, what what I now see Freedom Day actually is. And then over the next several months, uh, once per week on the show, maybe twice, uh, I'll share a little bit more of each of those parts of the story. Uh, but today is really just a big overview. And I want to share what I've learned of what my new definition of what Freedom Day actually is. So when I think about Freedom Day, the first thing that is extremely important is you've got to know where you're at. More than where you're going, you need to know where you're at today. So one of the things that I, when working with clients, have them do is they've got to seriously put together their budget and and not just what we used to do when I was working with people in financial planning. Well, what do you, what do you think you spend per month? Uh, what do you think that you spend per year on all these things? No, I'm talking about a very strategic and very specific goal um, and a very specific plan, um, not just writing down what you're spending money on, but anticipating what you're going to be spending money on. So it's a concept that I, I learned from one of my early guests last year. It's a concept called spending planning. And spending planning is more of a three-dimensional view of your uh, budget. So a budget is two-dimensional. I spend this month per month on average. Some months I might spend more, some months I might spend less. Uh, spending planning takes it that next level to say, well, let's anticipate big expenses that you have coming up or those, those you know, large expenses that might go over an average budget on any month. You prepare for that ahead of time, and then you're not scrambling to figure out where money is when you need it. Um, and it's putting money in the right type of accounts, putting money in an account that, let's say, maintenance. Well, I know probably the most expensive item that I potentially would have in my house is replacing an air conditioner. Well, if I need to replace an air conditioner, um, you know, and I have one that's coming probably to the end of its life here in the next few years, knock wood, um, I've got that money now set aside. I've been putting money aside specifically for that. And it's in its own account. It's a maintenance account. And I will pull that money out when I have to replace it. I won't have to come up with something. I won't have to put that on credit or something along those lines. The money's just there. Um, I do this with vacations as well. I, I put money aside every month because I know effectively what type of vacations I'm going to have for that year. So you get my drift with this. Uh, it's really understanding, first off, what you're spending money on today. And then it's building that three-dimensional budget or spending plan that helps you to figure out, okay, here's the different places that I'm potentially going to spend money. You know, at the end of the year, I have a big bill that comes due. Okay, well, I need to be putting money aside every month. And I should be able to accurately predict how much money I have in whatever account that I have that set aside for. So very important. I think this is the most important thing. And if anybody gets anything from this, you've got to do that. And if you're not even close to your Freedom Day yet, you I can tell you right now, you aren't going to get there if you don't know what you're spending money on. The second part of it is, is starting to look at your debts. Um, one, you know, you've got to figure out, all right, what debts do you owe? 
Now, what type of debts do we have? Well, first off, we have what I would consider bad debts and we have good debt. Bad debt, credit cards, car loans, payday loans, credit account, or, you know, uh, uh, lines of credit, things like that. Those are junk. Those are bad. Uh, those are things that take away from what's called your cash flow. Uh, you want positive cash flow, which means the money that comes in versus the money that goes out. If you have a plus or if you have money left over, it's positive cash flow. If you have money, if you go into debt after that, that's negative cash flow and that's bad. So you want to look and you want to make decisions around that by looking at, you know, any decision you're making, how is that going to affect my cash flow? If I bought that on credit, means I'm going to have to pay that off and that's going to affect my cash flow. Um, one of the things that you'll learn and the theme that we have throughout Freedom Day um, that we'll talk about is the concept of cash flow. Cash flow from the point of, you know, running my budget or my spending plan and cash flow from the perspective of when I decide I'm going to lift out of whatever I'm doing right now that I do or do not want to do. Uh, maybe I want to leave my job. Well, I need to make sure that I have a positive cash flow coming in to at least replace what I need to live on. So we go through that process. We, we look at our existing budget. Then we start to go in there a little bit deeper and we lay out our debt. One of the things that I learned, I've, I've been involved with the Dave Ramsey organization for years. Uh, Dave calls it a, a debt snowball. And I wholeheartedly agree to that. You know, what you do is you're going to take all your debts, everything. Don't hide them. Um, if you haven't told your spouse about it, it's time to sit down and have a heart to heart and say, here's our debts. Here's the ones we have. Lay them out with the smallest one first, not the highest payment, not the highest interest rate. No, you lay it the smallest one first. And then you go the next largest, next largest, next largest, all the way out. So bad debts, those are the things that we've talked about that are bad debts. What I would consider good debt, in some cases, might be, you, you might consider your education a good debt because it does do something to generate revenue. You have to have shelter. So I would consider the main good debt is going to be your home mortgage. And that's really the last thing you want to pay off. Uh, there's a few things you need to do before you focus on paying that off because typically it is rather large and it takes a little bit of time to pay off. And at least you get some, you, you get some tax, uh, in some cases you get some tax benefit from the, um, the mortgage. So now that we know what our debts are, now we've got to figure out, okay, how are we going to pay those off? Well, first off with the debt snowball, you're going to pay that the smallest debt first and then you'll work your way down to the largest debt. Why are you doing that? Well, because if I focus all my effort on paying one off, so I pay, I take as much money as I can out of my budget, and I put it towards that, and I pay the minimum payment on everything else. As soon as that first thing is paid off, now I can apply everything that I was paying off already, or, or everything I was using to pay off that first debt, I can apply that to the second debt, plus whatever my minimum payment was. So that starts to accelerate. It starts to make that go faster and faster and faster as you pay those debts off. So that's going to be your next focus. It's going to be your next thing is to pay those off. Well, how are we going to do that? Most of the time I hear from people, well, but I don't have any extra money in my budget at all. Well, yes, you do. If you ever 
get a tax return back. So you file your taxes at the end of the year. You're super excited because you're going to get a check in the mail. That's not the good plan. <laughs> you're loaning money to the government for basically no interest at all. And at the end of the year, you get a check from the government. Well, no, you get a check from the government that was your money to begin with that you paid in. So what you need to do is you need to go in, you need to get yourself a W-4, and you need to go in and fill that W-4 out and figure out, okay, here's, you know, here's how much I need to pay so that I get to zero. So let's say you normally get $1,000 back and you can recalculate your taxes to where you basically pay, you, you're not going to pay taxes in, you're not going to pay taxes out, uh, or you're not going to pay more taxes in or more taxes out. You're just going to be at basically zero, maybe a little bit of a small check you have to write to the government. Whatever that amount of money is, and that's a, you know, can be a big one. It could be a couple thousand dollars in, in some people's cases. Those extra $2,000, you're going to now say, okay, now I'm going to apply those. Now that I know they're gone, I'm going to apply those to my monthly payment for my smallest note. So let's say it's $2,000 or let's for, for grin's sake, let's say it's $2,400 that you were able to take away from your return at the end of the year and apply it, you know, and get that in pocket now. That is going to be applied. So that extra $200 per month or $2,400 a year would get applied directly to your payment amount. So you immediately put that on a list and this is something that you're going to bump up the, the automatic payment you're going to make. The next thing, look at things like cell phones. Look at things like your car insurance and homeowner's insurance. Uh, those are things that hang around for a while. You should be shopping those things every single year. Cable, if you've decided to cut the cable and now you're paying more than you were when you were with the cable company, look at, okay, I've got all these things that are four and six ninety nine me to death. What are those things that I can eliminate? Have I even watched this channel? Uh, I remember one time we had a, a streaming channel that we realized we'd been paying on for over a year. Uh, it amounted to about $600 in the end after a couple of years, and we hadn't even watched it. So not paying attention to this stuff made a difference. That $600 could have been applied to reducing debt at a much faster pace. So you're going to take a list of all these things that you've eliminated. Be serious about this. This is your freedom that you're working on. If you haven't used it or thought about it or you really don't need it, maybe there's a better way to do it. Um, take all those things that you've reduced the amounts and you're going to apply those to the debt and starting to remove your debt, because that's going to be the thing that's going to help you reach your freedom uh, faster. Because if you can remove the debt, then it's, it means you have to have less cash flow to be able to succeed. So if you're living paycheck to paycheck now, I can guarantee you, you've got a lot of fluff in your budget that you can eliminate and then get rid of that debt, which is going to improve your cash flow even better, and it's going to get you closer to being able to have your freedom. All right, from there, what we do is we do a little fun exercise. Um, one of the things that I give my clients now, uh, this is something that I came to, I guess, the last. Like I told you, this was, uh, this was an interesting year. I thought I had the book written, and when my partner approached me about selling the business, 
Uh, I was kind of going through a weird existential crisis at the time of, well, what am I going to do? I don't know. I'm, I don't have a job then. And what am I going to do? And how's this going to work? And just so happened to uh, go on a, a company or on a trip I, I, that I had won and spent a week by myself in a hotel room. And one of the things that I received when I was there was a bucket list journal. One of the people that was speaking at the conference that I was at. Um, that was what his topic was. And he gave us a copy of his book and I just didn't really want to work at anything else and decided that I was just going to sit down and put together my bucket list. And I will tell you, that was one of the most freeing exercises because what I realized was now I had something that I was working towards, um, when I was saving, when I was, you know, looking at, okay, how do I, how do I fit something into my budget? It's a lot easier saving for things. And it's a lot easier saying, I want to get rid of this expense when you know, here's my reward in the end. Here's a thing off of my bucket list. And so I sat down and I wrote a hundred bucket list items in 10 different categories. And I put those out and I've sat down and said, okay, these are the ones that I'm going to focus on for the next six months. Some of them require money. Some of them don't. Um, an example of one of those, I, I did see a common trend because I'm a huge fan of anything that floats, drives, sits on tracks, flies. Um, I, I love all of that stuff. And I had a whole list of bucket list items that I wanted to do, which were planes, trains and automobiles is what I call it. And I realized that the cost of most of these was about four to five hundred dollars. And I came to the realization that if I just created an income source, an extra income source that was about four to five hundred dollars a month, that would pay for my next 12 months of these planes, trains and automobiles uh, bucket list items. So once again, it gave me something to work for. It also wasn't that hard to do. Um, I launched a YouTube channel and I got some sponsorships on my podcast that basically paid that $500 right away. And I was able to start doing those things. So if you're listening to this and you want to see some of this, um, I'll be putting it up on our YouTube channel um, under bucket list items. Uh, because I want to encourage you. I want to make you think about this and I want to share these experiences with you. Um, I'll be traveling to London here in about a month and I've got a whole list. Both my wife and I have had a whole list of things that we want to do as a result of this. So bucket list, extraordinarily important. We have you do that. Um, and I have you do that. I encourage you to do that. Just start writing down things and not just places where you want to travel, but things that you want relationships that you want to bring back. Just a, it can be a plethora of things. So we'll, on another show, really talk about that in detail. So we have our, our spending plan. We are focused on reducing debt wherever we can uh, by rejiggering our budget. We've built our bucket list because we want to know what the fun things are in the future that we want to do. And, and even now, uh, once again, they don't have to be things that are for money. Now we need to figure out how, what else we can do to finance that. So we, if you're working in a job today, um, if you're what I call a cubicle warrior, and I was one, so I was right there with you. Um, but if you're, a, if you're a cubicle warrior today and you're sitting there and you're saying, God, I'm dying just a little bit every day I come and sit down in this cubicle. Or in today's world, you might be sitting down at the kitchen table. And even though you're working from home, you're still working for somebody else and somebody else is telling you what to do, where to be, how to do it. 
this is your opportunity to take the time and look for something that can generate an extra income stream. Why do we want to do this? Well, for two reasons. One, if you have debt and you're trying to reduce that, adding extra income to your budget is going to help you to apply that to the debt snowball and make that go away much, much, much faster. If you apply that, like I said, in my case, it was just four or $500 a month that I needed to create. That's not too hard to do. Now, what I would suggest that you do is that you create what we call a freedom engine. What is a freedom engine? Well, a freedom engine can be a multitude of different things, but I break it down into really four categories. Um, you can start a business. I'm going to come up with an idea and I'm going to start this business. Um, it might be something where you work from home. It should be initially somewhere, something that you work from home. Um, it should be something that you work with your knowledge instead of for time. So a lot of people will say, well, you know, I, I can go make an extra four or $500 a month driving Uber. Well, the problem is you've got to go drive Uber at that point. So you're always going to be limited by the amount of time that you have. So you want to start to look at things where you can use your knowledge. What is it that you know? What are the things that you love? What are the hobbies that you have? People are willing to pay you for your knowledge. Uh, the knowledge economy is the greatest thing that's happened in the past 50 years. Uh, we are in the information age and people are willing to pay for information. It might even be information that is readily available to them if they Googled, but they're willing to pay for it if they get your interpretation as an expert in that and the fact that you've gathered that information for them. They are more than willing to pay you for that. So there's a lot of courses out there on how to start, you know, an internet business or an information business. So I'm not going to get into detail on that right now. We will do a show where I talk about some of the different information businesses I've owned over the years. All of the businesses that I've ever owned, I have created out of thin air. A lot of people think some of the businesses I have were franchises. Well, we just brand ourselves well and we look like a franchise, but we started these from absolute ground zero. So it can be done. It's way harder to do that because you don't have systems. You are creating everything. You're basically building the airplane as you jump off the cliff. But for me, that's what works best. It's, it's the part of it that I enjoy most is being on that creative side of creating a business. You can buy a business. So that's another alternative. Uh, buying a business, you basically go out and either buy somebody else's business, you buy somebody else's systems, or one of the most common ways here is franchising. Um, why franchising? Well, franchising is a proven model. This is, you know, just think about McDonald's. Um, the way McDonald's started, and if, if you haven't seen it, I encourage you to watch the movie The Founder. Uh, it's about Ray Kroc, who was a, basically he was a, a blender salesman um, and, you know, traveling salesman. He would go and sell his stuff to different restaurants around the country. Happened to get to know the McDonald brothers who owned or who started McDonald's. Uh, got to know them, ended up going into business with them. Realized that if they could take the systems that they were good at, and then sell that to other people who wanted a, a kind of a ready-made business, they could make money doing that. And there's a whole story behind that um, and what occurred with it. But 
franchising was something that happened in the 40s and 50s and 60s that grew massively. And today there's tons of different franchises that you can do. What I would encourage you to do is find ones where you don't have to be the person in in the midst of it working. Especially if you're working another job, you can't do a franchise where it requires you to do more work. Um, you know, examples are some of these ones that are like blinds and uh, other contractor type things. Uh, you're you're going to have difficulty really growing that if it's just you working in that business. Now, if you intend to hire a staff and you're going to be the owner, you know, the owner and not the owner operator, um, you can be very successful with it. I, I would encourage it. I've got good friends that consult on this type of stuff. Uh, feel free if you ever have questions, I can I can refer you. Just put a note down below in the comments and I can connect you to the uh, couple of episodes I've done with franchise consultants. Uh, they're people I've worked with. I've, I've bought a franchise through one of them. So I really know that uh, I, I believe in what they do and they're very good at figuring out what you know, what makes or what makes the most sense for you as far as a business goes. Another is real estate. And real estate is one of those things that I had been doing on a small scale throughout my life, throughout my investing career. Uh, for those of you that know, or you, you may or may not know, I've spent you know, almost 30 years as a financial planner, uh, an investment manager, but I was always kind of looking at real estate on the side. Um, and once again, another episode down the road, and I'll give you more of my philosophies and my thoughts when it comes to the different type of investment vehicles. Uh, but real estate is the wealth creator. It is what has created more wealth on this planet than anything else. Uh, building companies and, you know, investing in real estate, those have been the two, you know, basically kingmakers or, or uh, wealth builders for the, the rich and the wealthy. So real estate should be something that you consider. I think personally is one of the easiest ways to become a business owner. Um, it can also be one of the most frustrating ways to become a business owner too. But there's multitudes of different ways to do real estate. Um, in my own businesses, I invest in real estate really in four different ways. Um, and we'll go over this, but uh, I, I have a, a wholesale real estate operation where we find properties that are maybe a little distressed and find an investor that wants to buy them. And, and we make a little bit in that process. We make a finder's fee. We do some rental real estate. Minimal, because I'm not a real big fan of being a landlord. Uh, we do lease options, but in a little bit different way, less sleazy way than a lot of people do. Uh, or not, it's not sleazy at all. Let's just put it that way. And there are just multitudes of other ways that you can invest in real estate. So, you know, one of the things that I would recommend is if that is of interest to you, there are a plethora of courses, books, all these things. And, and when we get into real estate and we talk about it a little bit more in detail down the road, I will, I'll share with you some of the places that, you know, I've looked at a ton of it. I spent really a good solid year studying more in depth, uh, kind of in preparation for selling the business and having more money available. And I realized that I didn't really need to have that money to begin with. I could have could have been doing it earlier. Um, last but not least, there are some other advanced strategies that can be done. These are things using, you know, it, these are things I would say, if you have some money, there's tools that you can use. There's different investment vehicles that you can use. Um, I would also say this is a place where sites like Fundrise and Ground Floor 
Uh, these are areas where you can invest, get a little bit higher return than you would normally get through uh, the stock market and not take a dramatic amount more risk. The idea behind that is you want to look at your your investment returns. You want to look at what you're getting. Um, the next episode that we'll talk about where I'm on here, um, I'm going to discuss with you understanding investment returns. And you will not want to miss that episode uh, because it will really help you look at everything that you're doing going forward. The biggest thing that you want to understand is you're not investing for return. You're investing for cash flow. So you want to look at things that are going to generate a cash flow for you. First, that cash flow should be used to reduce debt. Second, that cash flow can be used to fund some of your, um, you know, some of your bucket list items, uh, just like I did with mine, uh, my planes, trains, and automobiles, you know, one, um, I created an income source that was going to create enough money to be able to pay for all those fun things I wanted to do that were going to cost money. The next thing that we want to look at is building up that cash flow, building up the cash flow, whether it's through a business, whether it is through real estate, whether it is through some of the advanced strategies that you can use. Um, there's insurance products you can use that can help you to get there using leverage. Um, all of those things, we want to be seeing a a rate of return. We want to be seeing a, a cash flow coming off of those investments, not necessarily at the very beginning, but at some point in time. The reason for which is we want to reach what we call our MRI, minimum required income. So once you look at your budget, once you look at the income that you have coming in, and once you look at your budget minus all those expenses we eliminated, minus the debt, that becomes your minimum required income. Now, I would add your minimum required income also should have a little bit of a savings component added to it. So you, let's say my minimum required income after, you know, just, just to stay alive, have a little bit of, you know, a little bit of fun, be able to eat is $5,000 a month. But I also need to save some money. Uh, or continue to save, well, I might add an extra thousand dollars onto that. Um, I might have a goal that I, you know, let's say my $500 a month for planes, trains, and automobiles. Well, perfect example. Okay. This is, this is an example where I would use, I would want to say, well, I want to add an extra $500 a month so that I can continue to do all those fun things. It might be that you want to travel. So that might mean that I want to spend $2,500 a year. So I need to put you know, $2,000 away or $200 away per month or create an extra $200 a month so that I can add it up and, and, you know, have my one trip a year or whatever it works out to be. But that's where we come up with our minimum required income. Now, the rest of this becomes focusing on those things. At some point in future, you will be generating enough cash flow off of whatever you're doing, whatever your freedom engines are doing, uh, that they will replace your minimum required income. Now, notice I didn't say that replaces your your income that you're earning from your job. We're just trying to get to minimum required income. Why? Because at that point in time, you have reached your freedom day. At that point in time, you have said, okay, I have enough money coming in from passive investments, maybe active investments, that I'm generating enough to cover my minimum required income and I didn't have to get up and go to work today. That is 
one of the best days of your life. I experienced that myself. Um, I've experienced it from a time perspective. I've experienced it from a monetary perspective. I've experienced it from what I call an, an intentions perspective. Um, but that is that first day that you have the ability to not have to get up and go to work that day. Now, are you going to quit your job? Well, that's up to you. You might, or you might decide, I don't really, I, I enjoy what I do. So what I would tell you is if you enjoy what you do, when you go to work that day, you are going to be joyously happy. Why? Because you're not there for money. You're there because you want to be, you enjoy what you're doing, you love it. And now the stress of being, you know, on, or, or the stress of earning a living is gone. And now it's just, you're doing what you're, what you love doing. Now, the opposite side is true. If you are someone that just absolutely vehemently despises your job, this is probably going to be, you're, you're not going to be a really good employee going forward. Let me just put it that way. Uh, you are most likely going to be a really terrible employee uh, because you don't want to be there. You didn't want to be there to begin with. And now that you know you have your monetary freedom, you don't want to be there anymore. Now you want to go do something else. Whether that is that you want to focus more time on your pursuits when it comes to your freedom engines, or whether that is whatever you want to do, whether it's you're going to leave and you're going to go get another job or you're going to, you know, work doing something that isn't for a lot of money. You know, maybe you work for your church or you work for a nonprofit or whatever it is. But you're not really working for money. Yeah, it's nice. You might be bringing in an extra little bit of a paycheck, but it's something that you love and you want to do. That is also a perfect situation. So whether you decide to quit your job or not, I'm not going to tell you you have to do that. You don't have to quit your job. If you love what you do, just take the stress off of you, off of the money part of it for you and enjoy. Just go enjoy what you're doing. So that's that decision that you make. Now, once you've reached your freedom, a couple things that I would encourage people to do. Uh, one is that you share this with other people, whether it's your kids, whether it's family, whether it's people in the community, share the concepts that we talk about on the show. Share, you know, what you've learned, share your experience with people. Let you, you know, let get yourself out in public and spend time with people, uh, learning a little bit more about uh, how you can help. And like I said, training people, training kids, training your kids on how to be smarter about money, how to be able to get themselves to their own personal freedom days, hopefully faster than you. But this is something that I would encourage you to fill your heart with. Um, in addition to that, I would encourage you to fill your heart with, with giving. If you have the ability, if you've created a life where you're living and you're enjoying your life and you've covered your minimum required, you know, income and you have extra abundance, share that abundance with others. It will make your heart explode. It will make your, your joy just be unbelievable. When you've taken the stress off of yourself from a monetary standpoint, it's amazing what happens when you share. Utilize your freedom engines as a means of sharing more. Now that you have more time to spend with them, share what you can from them. So that's the concepts of Freedom Day. That's the, the all the components. Um, over the next couple months, I will be spending one to two shows per week 
talking a little bit about these concepts with you, sharing some of my ideas, sharing what I've learned, uh, sharing the stories that I have, both good and bad, um, and really just getting to the point where we get you to the point where you can get you your freedom date. That's my goal. Uh, my sole and only goal is not to to sit here and, and talk about my life and what I've done. Um, I want to encourage you. I want the guests that I have on the show to encourage you to take that risk, to to get out there and focus on getting to your freedom day. Um, as you know, we don't use the R word around here. We don't use the term retirement. Um, I see that as something old people do and people that have no other choice. Um, we have our freedom day. That's what we focus on. And I encourage you to start to change your own mindset. Start to not use that word. Now, we don't use the R word. Use freedom day. Um, when people ask you when you're going to retire, just say, well, my freedom day is going to be blah, blah uh, at that date. It's something that's easy to calculate. So I thank you for uh, listening. I look forward to, to sharing more of this with you over the next several months. As always, our shows are Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, one of those shows is an interview. One of them is this type of concept show. Uh, that'll be season three going forward. And I'm looking forward to being on this journey with you. Um, I will tell you it's a fun ride. Uh, sometimes it's, it's frustrating and sometimes it's scary. But when you get to the other side, it's a fun ride. It's a really fun way to live life. And I would just want to encourage you to do it. So thanks a lot. We'll see you back here for the very next show. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Nation podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and all the major channels. Wherever you're listening, please subscribe to the channel and leave a rating and review. If you have friends and family that could benefit from their own Freedom Day, please share with them. Finally, join Freedom Nation by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.